listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. God's favor is never random. This is such an important thought. God's favor is never random. And it's very important that you believe that. It's very important that you know that. The reason I say that is because there are so many Christians who think, well, when God's good and ready, he'll bless me. When God's good, you know, it's in his sovereign time, he'll bless me. That's what they think, that they're just sitting around waiting for God to come up with a good time to bless them. Thank you, Yaniel. But that's, that's not the case. God's blessing, his favor, his power, it is never random. It is always in response. Talking about New Testament here, Old Testament too. It's always in response to the people who serve him and the actions that they are taking. His favor is provoked by your actions. And that's what this broadcast is about today. His favor is provoked by your actions. Woman of Faith is on on YouTube. Teresa's on. Deborah Stokes. It's good to see you. Nicole Palso, good to have you on today. God's favor is never random. So catch it with me today. We need to get into the word then and find out if his favor is never random, what is it that I can do scripturally that will provoke his hand, provoke his mighty right hand. And I'm going to read you a scripture that really, man, it stirred me up when it it first hit me in the New Living Translation. And I've got it here also in the ESV. It stirs my faith to just keep my mind on how powerful our God is. I mean, it's mind-blowing to the natural finite mind how powerful our God is. I mean, it's, it's amazing. AJ, good to see you. Love you, buddy. Daryl Pender in the Bahamas, love you. Pat Blay, good to see you. Candy Burris is on. It's, it's mind-blowing how powerful our God is. God's favor is never random. That's why I wanted you to write in the comments because <clears throat> catch this today. We can do things, and we are doing things, that are actually attracting his power to our lives, provoking his hand, and I'm going to show it to you from the word and, and show you why. You know, it seems like people think that the message about Christian disciplines, Christian disciplines, people think that's a boring message. Well, here he goes again teaching about Christian disciplines. It's the most exciting message that you could ever hear is the disciplines laid out for Christians in the word of God. You know, the Bible doesn't call us to make converts, we are called to make disciples. I want, I want to make that distinction real quick. We are not <clears throat> called to make converts. We're called to make disciples. What's the difference between a convert and a disciple? Somebody who's just converted. You know, they pray the prayer of salvation. They believe, place their faith in Jesus Christ and believe on his name. They're saved, the Bible says. But it's not enough to just be born again. That's not all Jesus wants. 
He wants those people who are born again to be discipled, to grow in the faith. But what is really, what is a disciple? A disciple defined is somebody who actually employs the disciplines of their master, whoever they're following. So if you're a disciple of of a teacher or a master, what you're doing, you're emulating the disciplines of your master. If you never knew that, it's important that you know it. It's important that you know it. A disciple is emulating the disciplines of his master. Put it in the comments. A disciple emulates the disciplines of his master. So for example, you know, I don't know if you guys have seen this. Hey, James Clark, good to see you. I don't know, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this. They have a set of movies. I think they're on Netflix. I think you go to other places. But it's this, this guy. The, the movies are called Ip Man, I-P Man, Ip Man. It was an actual guy in China. They called him Master Ip. He was actually, he developed uh, his own form of martial arts. And he, apparently he was a beast. Nobody could beat him. I mean, he was a monster and very humble, but very, very powerful. And he later on became the guy that trained Bruce Lee. And of course, people are familiar with Bruce Lee, movie star, but also martial arts extraordinaire. But he trained Bruce Lee in this style of Kung Fu that he created And a lot of what is, yeah, that's right, Wing Chun. A lot of what we see, the success of Bruce Lee, was actually attributed to this man, Master Ip, in China, who was like unbelievable. And understand what happens is, when you're training, you are emulating the disciplines of your master. Because it is the disciplines that actually cause you to become great. Anybody can take it easy. Anybody can lay back. But it is the disciplines of your master that make you like him. Good to see Anna Bruce. Love you. And so what we're talking about is that you've got to understand discipleship. You know, we use that word a lot in church and church growth and all this stuff, and we think that it's all just about next steps classes and stuff. No, they are there to facilitate the disciplines of our master. And that's exactly what makes us like him. And by the way, did you know that obviously he expects us to be like him? And that's why Jesus said, the works that I do, you shall do also. And greater works than these, because I'm going to be with my father in heaven. Talking about, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. We always read that passage. and, And of course, in context, it is talking about his miracle signs and wonders and the things that he did supernaturally. But it's interesting because if you don't also mirror the personal life of Jesus, the personal disciplines of Jesus, you cannot mirror the works of Jesus. So it's like A.A. Allen taught this, and we sent this as one of the books to our partners one month, The Price of God's Miracle Working Power, right? And so the, the thought process in that book was, how can you expect to have the miracles of Jesus if you don't have the prayer life of Jesus, if you won't fast like Jesus, if you don't know the word like Jesus, if you don't live holy like Jesus? So what we're doing, hey, Britt Lukens, good to see you, is that we are emulating 
the disciplines of our master, that is what makes us disciples. God doesn't just want converts. He wants disciples. And that's what we're talking about. But I'm going to show you today four actions that you can take that will provoke God's hand of favor in your life daily. You know, favor doesn't have to be seasonal. Man, that's a word right there. Come on. Somebody needs to put that in the comments. That just hit me. Favor doesn't have to be seasonal. You know, that's what happens. We believe that. We think, you know, it's my season of favor. Hallelujah. My season of favor is coming upon me. Favor doesn't have to be seasonal. (laughs) Put that in the comments section for me today. Favor doesn't have to be seasonal. No, and that's not God's desire that favors become seasonal. Well, every once in a while, I'm going to experience his favor. No, favor doesn't have to be seasonal. Come on. Can I read you a scripture? Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3 should open our eyes to the way God does things. Listen to it. I'm in the NLT here on my phone. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. So look at what those two verses describe before we go to verse three. People will experience joy when they don't follow the advice of the wicked stand around with sinners, join in with mockers. Instead, they delight themselves in the law of the Lord. So when we obey the law of the Lord, we're emulating the disciplines of Christ. You see it. Now look at the benefit in verse three. They will be like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Oh, hallelujah. Their leaves never wither, and they'll prosper in all they do. I got to read that again because that'll set you running. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. That means every season. Their leaves never wither, never. I'm never in a withering season. I'm never in a diminishing season. I'm never in a season of loss, never. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all, all, A-double-L, that they do. That shows you right there the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked. Those that are disciples, they delight themselves in the law of the Lord. Their leaves will never wither. They'll prosper in all they do. And I know people get mad at that kind of a message. Well, you're not making any room for the trials of life. No, I'm not. (laughs) I'm not. I'm not saying the devil will never try to attack you. I'm saying you don't have to lose the battle. They'll prosper in all they do. Leaves, I want you to put it in there. Make it personal for you. My leaves will never wither. Glory to God. I feel the anointing on that today. My leaves will never wither. My leaves will never wither. My leaves will never wither. (laughs) Hallelujah. My leaves will never wither. 
I feel joy on that, man. That's a word of faith from God. My leaves will never wither in Jesus' name. My children will never wither. My health will never wither. My finances will never wither. My peace will never wither. My joy will never wither. My strength will never wither. Hallelujah. My leaves will never wither. I'll prosper in all I do. All I do in Jesus' name. That's right. That's exactly right. And so I want to take this this time to, to show you about that because we need to see it, that you can take actions that will cause God to lift his mighty right hand towards you and show you his favor. I want to start by showing you a verse in the book of Isaiah. It's Isaiah chapter 14, and it's verse 27. Isaiah 14, 27. That's our starting text for today. I'll read it to you in the ESV and the NLT. Listen to the ESV, Isaiah 14, verse 27. For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who will annul it or cancel it? His hand is stretched out. Who will turn it back? That's the ESV. Listen to the way it says it in that NLT. The Lord of heaven's armies has spoken. Who can change his plans? Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. The Lord of heaven's armies has spoken. Who can change his plans? Listen to the second half. When his hand is raised, who can stop him? Glory to God. When his hand is raised, who can stop him? Well, the obviously that's a rhetorical question. The answer is no one. Nobody can stop him, which is why Paul said to the Roman church, if God is for you, tell me who can be against you. Nobody can be against you because nobody can stop our God. If his hand is raised or when his hand is raised, who can stop him? That's where we're starting today. So the hand of God, God lifts his hand and things have to change. Glory to God. God lifts his hand and things have to change. So the question is, how do we get, how do we get God to lift his hand toward us or lift his hand in our life, in our lives? I'll give you four things today. Four things from the word of God that shows us how we can provoke God's favor and he'll lift his hand in our direction. Let me start with number one. Please put these in the comments for people to see later. And I know those of you that are listening on the podcast, uh, take notes. We'll have some stuff for you in the description. You'll see uh, what, just the description of everything that we're talking about today. But listen to this. Number one, obedience lifts his hand. That's number one. Put it in the comments. Obedience lifts his hand. Glory to God. <laughs> Billion says, I love your listicles. <laughs> Good morning, Billion. Number one, obedience lifts his hand. Obedience lifts his hand. Let's read the word. 
Isaiah 63 and verse 12. Isaiah 63 and verse 12. Listen to this. Who caused his glorious arm to go at the right hand of Moses, who divided the waters before them to make for himself an everlasting name. I want to break this down for you. Lisa Lamb, good to see you in Albemarle. Listen, Isaiah 63, 12, that's the ESV. Who caused his glorious right arm, or glorious arm, to go at the right hand of Moses, who divided the waters before them to make for himself an everlasting name. Now, this is obviously referencing the Red Sea crossing as the children of Israel left Egypt. And see, if we only read the passage in Exodus, we are made to believe that it was just Moses lifting up his staff that caused the Red Sea to part. But the scripture gives us other insight into what made that happen. And here in Isaiah 63, the Bible tells us, because Moses did lift up his staff in obedience, catch it, he did it in obedience. And when he did, Isaiah 63 says that God caused his glorious arm to go at the right hand of Moses. So catch this. When Moses lifted his arm and staff in obedience, God's arm was lifted up with Moses' arm. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, man. When Moses lifted his arm in obedience, God lifted his arm with Moses. It was Moses' obedience that lifted God's arm and brought them favor. <laughs> things shake and tremble when God lifts his hand. There are things that shake and tremble. Let me read you Psalm 77 and verse 16. This will blow your mind. I know, Matt, this is, this is supernatural. Psalm 77, verse 16, New Living, listen. When the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled, and the sea quaked to its very depths. Psalm 77, verse 16, which, by the way, is describing, again, the Red Sea crossing. When the sea saw you, O God, didn't see Moses, it saw God. You know why? Because Moses' obedience had lifted God's arm toward the sea. And the sea saw him and trembled and became afraid and quaked to its very depths. If you go further, listen to this, because I didn't put it here on my phone, but I'll show it to you from the scripture. Listen, if you go to verse 19 of Psalm 77, just three verses later, it's speaking of God still. It says, your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. Oh man, come on. So it was Moses' action of obedience that raised God's hand and his arm for the children of Israel. Think about how powerful this act of favor was for them. Isn't it interesting, uh, if we're going here to Isaiah 63, where I started on point number one, it says, he divided the waters before them 
to make for himself an everlasting name. Isn't it interesting to you when, I, when it says make for himself an everlasting name? Isn't it interesting to you that this story is still commonly referenced, not just by Christians, but by Jews all over the world? That this story is one of the major highlighted narratives, not just in Christianity, but in Judaism, about how God brought his people out of bondage. And we remember this story and we recount this story all the time. And another one that was just before this is the Passover, where the blood was on their door. These two stories are told all the time. And especially by the Jews, they remember. They remember when God brought them out and they celebrate it. He made for himself an everlasting name, something that would be talked about over and over and over and over about how he did it by his mighty right hand. Think about how easy of a breakthrough this was for the people of Israel. By the way, uh, I want you to write this in the comments because I saw a church sign that kind of ticked me off. And so let's set the record straight this morning. I saw a church sign that said, faith doesn't make things easy, it just makes them possible. <laughs> faith doesn't make things easy, it just makes them possible. I beg to differ. And I want you to put it in the comments. Faith doesn't just make things possible, it makes them easy. Glory to God. Faith doesn't just make things possible, it makes them easy. Was it hard? Let me, let me tell you this. To be completely delivered from Pharaoh and his army, all the children of Israel had to do was walk. They didn't have to swing swords. They didn't have to hold up shields. They didn't have to fire arrows. They didn't have to run. <laughs> they didn't even have to jog. They didn't even have to jog. They just had to walk. How easy is it to gain your victory by just walking? Think about it. And God opened the sea, and all they did was just walk. Two million people walk across the Red Sea, walk up the bank on the other side, and keep on walking. And then God left the sea open. And Pharaoh's army walked in with chariots. They rode in. Pharaoh with them, and God left it open just so he could let it come crashing down on Pharaoh's army and Pharaoh himself and destroy every last one of his enemies. Glory to God. Faith doesn't just make things possible. It makes them easy. How hard was that? How hard was that? Moses, do you want to part the Red Sea? Yeah. What did he tell him to do? 30 days of fasting and prayer? What did he tell him to do? Get the whole two million in assembly and start doing jumping? No, lift up that staff in obedience. How easy is this right here? That's easy. Imagine making an entire C part by obedience just doing this. Was that hard or is that easy? That's easy. It's easy. Faith doesn't just make things possible. It makes them easy. Glory to God. Thank you, Chuck. Come on. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. 
Oh, yeah. Doesn't make, that's a good point, billion. But what Carolyn said, faith is never comfortable. Walking on water is easy as walking. It's just not comfortable. Faith will take you out of your comfort zone, no question. Let me ask you this. You think it was comfortable for them to be there before the sea parted, knowing here come the chariots, here come the army, here comes Pharaoh to take us back into captivity. You think it was comfortable to have their back up against a wall and see their enemies coming at them? No, it's not comfortable. Faith takes you out of your comfort zone, puts your trust on God. But when God moves, it becomes easy. So number one, obedience lifts his hand. Obedience lifts his hand. You know, I said this yesterday. I, you know, we did the story of Jonah. Whose ship are you sinking? If you missed that broadcast, you got to go back and listen to that one about your purpose and what God's called you to do. Whose ship are you sinking? But in that broadcast, we talked about this. There's nobody that can pray for you and pray blessing upon your life and pray increase upon your life if you stand in disobedience to God and his word. It doesn't work that way. I can't choose to live a disobedient lifestyle and expect people's prayers to keep me in the blessing of heaven. It doesn't work that way. No prayer can override constant disobedience. Oh, man. I know that's not something people like to hear, but people need to hear the truth. Because if you're going to be blessed, you have to do it God's way. Put it in the comments. No prayer can override constant disobedience. Now, there is prayer of repentance, yes. The prayer of repentance, but repentance is turning from your sin and going the other direction, not staying in your sin over and over and over and over. So I want you to write it and understand it. Put it in your notes. Put it in the comments. No prayer can override constant disobedience. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. Your heart has to be turned to God, and you have to turn from your ways and obey him for the blessing to come. That's why I read you uh, Psalm 1, because Psalm 1 is a perfect picture. Oh, the joys of those who don't follow the advice of the wicked, do wicked things, stand around with sinners, join in with mockers. That's not going to be my life. No prayer can override constant disobedience. No. No, obedience brings the victory. Obedience brings God's favor. And this is, fa- this is foundational. It's baseline, which is why I wanted to start with this point as number one. Because without this, nothing else matters. <laughs> Ed broke it down for us. You can't live wrong and die right. You can't live wrong and die right. No prayer can override constant disobedience. So number one today, I want you to catch it with me. First action that provokes God's favor, obedience. Obedience, well, how does obedience function? Two ways. Obedience to his written word, written word, and obedience to his personal instruction to your life. Romans 8, 14 says, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So we understand God expects his children to be led by his spirit. Amen. 
God expects his children to be led by his spirit. And so as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And so we have to obey his written word and his revealed or spoken word by the Holy Ghost as he leads us by his spirit. You know, what's interesting is you can read the word of God and it gives you general principles for life and godliness. But it doesn't tell you exactly what you should do with your life. I don't know what I should be by reading the word of God. I don't know what my career should be. I don't know where I should go to college. I don't know who I should marry. I don't know. Those things are not revealed to me in God's word. Parameters are, but not the details. It is God's spirit who leads you into the details, the Holy Spirit. He leads you and guides you into all truth. Amen. So you have to obey his written word and his spoken word obedience. Amen. Let's get to number two. The second thing that provokes God's hand of favor in your life and in mine is daily prayer. This is where Christians are lacking. And let me be very clear about it. Many Christians are lacking in this area. We see it. Remember what I was talking about. If we have a master and we're his disciples We've got to emulate his disciplines. Emulate his disciplines. Jesus and the apostles, they learned it from him. He had to rebuke them a bit. He had to raise them up a bit. They didn't understand the importance of prayer. They fell asleep during prayer. He had to just then then look into the book of Acts, and you start to, to realize they caught the vision. Acts 3, Peter and John were up to the on the way up to the temple at the hour of prayer. So not only did the disciples and the Christians catch Jesus example of prayer, they did it daily. They went up to the temple at the hour of prayer. There was a daily hour of prayer in the early church. Well, why where did they get that from? They got it from Jesus who prayed every day. He was a man of prayer. You have to have prayer You know, it's like E.M. Bounds. He was a Methodist minister, wrote 12 books in his life. Nine of them were on the subject of prayer. It's where we get the very common phrase that everybody knows now, no prayer, no power. Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. That originated with E.M. Bounds, who wrote on prayer. And we understand that from Jesus' life. What did Jesus tell his disciples? This this might be mind-blowing to some folks. If you go to Mark chapter 9, Jesus is brought a young man who's demon-possessed. And the parents say, "We, uh, we brought our son to your disciples, and they couldn't cast the demon out of him. And Jesus rebukes them in verse 19, Mark 9, 19. He said, oh, you faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring this demon-possessed boy to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, he immediately convulsed the boy and fell to the ground, rolled about, foaming at the mouth. Look at verse uh, 25. When Jesus saw that a crowd was coming together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Look at this. 
And verse 29, when, his, when he'd entered into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we cast the demon out? Why couldn't we do it? Verse 29, and he said to them, this kind, talking about this kind of demon, cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. And some translations add prayer and fasting. Some manuscripts we have from antiquity actually say that, prayer and fasting. The earliest manuscripts say, but by prayer. So understand that what he was saying to them was that the reason you couldn't cast. Now, I do want to say this because this is such an important point. If we think the reason Jesus could cast that demon out is because he was the son of God, that's erroneous thinking. Because now... Jesus has no basis to rebuke his disciples, which is what he did. If he only did it because he was God and they weren't, then he can't rebuke them for not being able to do it. But he did. He said, you faithless generation, how long am I to bear with you? Meaning you should have cast it out. But what did he say? I, didn't, I wasn't able to cast it out because I'm the son of God. I was able to cast it out because I'm a man of prayer and you're lacking in prayer. That's what he was telling them. This kind of demon only comes out by prayer, a life of prayer. Much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. That's right, Billion. Even Jesus had to fast and pray because he was our example. He was our prototype Christian man. He was what God wants every Christian to be. That's why he said, the works that I do, you shall do also, and greater works than these. So notice this. Christ didn't lay aside his deity, Nicholas. He was still God in the flesh. He didn't lay aside his deity. But he was all God and all man at the same time. He was both at once. Just as we are now, Christ and human at the same time. We're the body of Christ and we're one with him in, on the spiritual side, but we still have a flesh side that we have to deal with. He was God and man all at once. And so understand, he says to them, this kind. So that, you know, that'll show you two things. Number one, shows you the disciples' lack of prayer up to this point, but it also shows you that there are levels of spiritual power. Isn't that interesting? You know why the disciples were confused by this? They had already cast out other demons. And they thought, well, hold on. We've cast out other demons before. Why couldn't we cast this one out? Jesus said, because this kind, notice that, this kind, there's different kinds of spiritual strength. This kind doesn't come out except through a life of prayer. Oh, hallelujah. And so Jesus is teaching an important lesson to his disciples. If you're gonna see the hand of God's favor move in your life, you've got to be a person of prayer. A person of prayer. Let me show you something by Acts chapter four, verses 30 and 31. That's where we're headed for this point number two. Acts chapter four, verses 30 
and 31. That's actually a, a pretty accurate description, AJ. They had cast out lower-level demons, but they hit a boss level, <laughs> and they hadn't leveled up yet. That's true. They were not leveled up to a greater level of demonic power to cast it out, and they failed. But Jesus, thankfully, we have the mighty word of God, and Jesus gave them the answer and the way to level up. If you want to level up, level up in prayer. I want you to put that in the comments. I have to level up in prayer. I have to level up in prayer. If I want to level up in power, if I want to level up in favor, if I want to level up in breakthroughs, I've got to level up in prayer. That's the only way to get there. That's the only way to get there. You notice Jesus didn't say, this kind doesn't come out except by church attendance. And we should attend church faithfully. But that's not what brings the power. I could put anything in there. But it's prayer that brings the power. Put it in the comments. I have to level up in prayer. That's right. Now we're in Acts 4, verses 30 and 31. Listen to the New Living. Now, just to give you context, the, they had been persecuted for doing the work of Christ. They'd been drugged before the high council. Don't preach in the name of Jesus anymore. Don't heal the sick. Don't care. You know, going after them. Don't do it anymore. Persecution had hit, hit heavily. So they come back to their own company, go into a house, and start a prayer meeting. That's what they're doing. Prayer meeting. Listen to this prayer. Acts 4, 30 and 31, stretch out your hand with healing power and may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Look at this. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. So number one, their prayer was answered, but what was their prayer? It was this, stretch out your hand with healing power. Notice what we're talking about today. If you want to access God's hand of favor, these four actions have to be taken. Number one, obedience. Number two, prayer. And when they prayed, Lord, stretch out your hand, he answered their prayer, shook the place, filled them with the Holy Ghost, and boldness came upon everyone. Glory to God. Boldness came upon everyone. I have to level up in prayer. I have to. My own level of power and breakthrough and anointing and favor, it's based on my level of prayer. We need to put a higher priority on prayer in our prayer lives. That's why I love these men that have shaken the world. You look at men like Dr. Cho in Korea, uh, Bishop Oyedepo and Pastor Adeboye in Nigeria, you go around the world and you look at these men that have shaken the world. Brother Hagin shook the world. I mean, there's many of these men. What were they? Men of prayer? Men of prayer. I watched my father as a man of prayer. Prayer changes your level of power. It's not that it gives you more power because let me ask you a question. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, who is the source of power, how much more power can you get than the Holy Ghost? There is no more power to get. 
You've got all power. Jesus said, all power is given unto me. Then he said, I give unto you all power. (laughs) So if you've got all power and authority, how much more can you get? How much more do you need? None. It's just that prayer allows you to release more of that power. Oh, hallelujah. This, This will help you to understand something. Do you have, anybody, if you have a hose and you have that twist nozzle on the end, it's the amount of twisting that you do that changes the force of the water coming through the nozzle. Now, if you've turned the thing on at the wall, you know that water's flowing full directly to the end of the hose, but the nozzle is holding it back. If you twist the nozzle a little bit, you're going to get a little spray, just a little spray. You twist it more, you're going to get a a heavier flow. You twist that thing all the way open, that water's going to shoot out with force. It's going to shoot out with force. Prayer is like twisting the nozzle. Catch it. It doesn't change the flow, but behind the nozzle, that's the Holy Ghost. He's in you. He fills you. He's at full force at all times, but your flesh is also there. And so when you twist the nozzle, there's my friend, Pastor Alan DeDio, love you. When you twist the nozzle, you don't want a little spray of power. You want a full force of power. So prayer twists the nozzle. And a life of daily prayer opens it wide open. That's why you see men like Dr. Cho and uh, like Lester Summerall and Pastor Adeboye and Bishop Oyedepo and you look around the world, R.W. Shambach and Brother Hagin and all these men. That's why they had a full flow of, of anointing flowing out is because they were man, men of daily, constant prayer. There's a lot of Christians that are walking around with the nozzle slightly twisted and there's just a light spray coming out. Some Christians are walking around with the nozzle completely closed. They go from crisis to crisis, issue to issue, problem to problem. That's not what our calling is. Our calling is to overcome in every aspect of life. We're more than conquerors through him that loved us. You know what the Bible says? We always triumph in his name. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, Paul said, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Christ Jesus our Lord. We're a victorious people. That's why we call this the victory tribe. We're part of the tribe of Judah. You know how I know that? Jesus, who brought us in, is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Every Christian in the body of Christ is part of the tribe of Judah because we came through Christ. We're in his tribe, the tribe of the lion, hallelujah, of the tribe of Judah. And so every one of us is in the victory tribe. You realize that's, what, that's not just a name we threw out there. That's what every Christian is. We're the tribe they used to send first that would praise God until he'd fight their battles for them. Glory to God. That's who we are. We're the victory tribe. And we're in the tribe of Judah. We always have the victory. We always triumph in his name. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. That's right. Change your prayer setting from mist to jet. That's great, Alan. Love that. Change your prayer setting from mist to jet. That's what you want. A full flow of the power of God. So 
Obedience lifts his hand of favor. Prayer lifts his hand of favor. Let's take number three. The third thing, his word lifts his hand of favor. Glory to God. His word, his word. There, you know, I'm a stickler for the word. There's nothing more important than the word of God. Nothing. I don't even care about your dreams and your visions and your personal revelations if they don't line up with the word of God. There's a lot of nutty people out there having visions, having words, trying to give you a word. If it doesn't line up with his word, don't listen to it. Don't receive it. Don't receive it. Because the Holy Spirit of God, who inspired this whole Bible, is not going to give you a word that contradicts what he already said. Huh. Let's put it in the comments this way. A spoken word will never contradict the written word. Put that in the comments section this morning. A spoken word will never contradict a written word. Thank you, Lord. A spoken word, it'll never contradict a written word. Never. That's why you can judge what is being said to you in the New Testament. By the way, if you didn't know, the New Testament is a bit different than the Old Testament in certain aspects. For example, when the prophets of old spoke, Old Testament prophets, what they spoke was the word of God. It became canon. It was written. And the people of Israel were guided and led by the prophets God sent. Prophets would speak, the people would be led. It was God's word being given to the body and they would be led and guided by those prophets and prophetic words. In the New Testament, that is not the case. We are not led by prophets in the New Testament. Why? In the Old Testament, nobody could be filled with the Holy Ghost. Nobody was a Christian. In fact, Jesus said it this way, I can't put new wine into old wine skins or they would burst. So here's what Jesus is saying. If I were to pour out my Holy Spirit into an unregenerated body and spirit, you couldn't handle it. It would cause you to be destroyed. But once Jesus shed his blood and allowed us to become new creatures in Christ, we are now in position, worthy vessels, to receive the Holy Spirit of God into our bodies and into our spirits. They didn't have that in the Old Testament. And so God would have to come upon his prophets and have them speak on his behalf. But in the New Testament, every believer can hear from the Holy Spirit. So I don't have to depend on a word from a prophet to guide my life. The Holy Spirit can speak to me just as quickly as he can speak to a man of God. But we still need the man of God. Because understand, we also have something called maturity levels and faith levels. And there's so many Christians that are so caught up in their flesh, they couldn't hear from God if he walked in the room with a bullhorn and yelled in their face. 
because they're not in position to hear from God. So we still have, and are, it's necessary to have, the gifts that Jesus placed in the church, the five-fold ministry gift, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We need them. We need them. But it doesn't mean we're led by prophets. I should have a confirming word. If a prophet speaks a word to me, it should confirm with what I know in my spirit. I should be able to say, yeah, the Holy Spirit showed me that, and praise God, I received that. And you can judge it. You can judge it. Well, let me tell you, they judged prophets in the Old Testament a whole lot differently than they judge them today. <laughs> There's people walking around calling themselves prophets. They've never in their life. They just like the title. They think it makes them sound important. I posted a video on my Twitter and my uh, Instagram last night. Everybody's television show on television networks all over the place, preaching meetings all over the nation, and he was a prophet, saying he's a prophet. And so he gets up in 2016, that's when I posted the video, and he gets up and says, now the Lord showed me that Trump will not be the president because the Lord says that whoever will become the president will either have been a senator or will be a current senator. And Trump ain't no senator and ain't nobody going to make him a senator. Trump is not going to be the president. Now he's prophesying and saying the Lord says this. The Lord is saying this. And the Lord never said that. And obviously you can see the fruit of it. Trump became the president. And Trump wasn't no senator. And nobody would go make Trump no senator. So there's false prophecy as well. Now, if that man had prophesied that in the Old Testament and said, David ain't going to be the king. Ain't nobody going to make David the king. Let me tell you what they did to prophets like that in the Old Testament. They killed them. They killed them. Because God's word's important. And God's word is not to be taken flippantly. And in my opinion, we have far too many, and I'm Pentecostal saying this. I'm charismatic saying this. We have far too many people saying, thus saith the Lord, when he never said anything. And there's people walking around with a thus saith the Lord in their mouth, and God didn't tell them to say it. And then there's people that are let down, say, well, I guess God didn't speak. And then they, get, they start to doubt that prophecy is even a real thing. It's not that it's not real. It's real. The gifts of the Spirit are real. It's just that you've got jokers in pulpits that are pimps. And they're hirelings. And they just want the money but they're not hearing from God. And so in the New Testament, you can judge prophecy by the word of God. A spoken word will never contradict a written word. It'll never contradict a written word. Prophesying all kinds of stuff. He, that same prophet got on Periscope and prophesied, I can't remember how many years ago it was, because I called him out publicly. I'm not saying his name because I'm not against him as a person. I, I pray God blesses him. 
But he got on. He got on and said, "Remember the year the Cubs hadn't ever won, they hadn't won a World Series, and I don't know how many years it's been." Tiffany, can you Google that? What year it was? Was it? It wasn't last year. It might have been the year before. What year did the Cubs win the World Series? Was it 2018? And he got on Periscope, and he was using it like it was a prophetic sign. And he said, the Lord shows me that this team's going to be moved out of the way and this team, and, 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 and then they talked about the team going up against the Cubs would beat the Cubs in the World Series. What? So he was using it for the presidency at the time, of 2016. And it was the same year, and he starts getting all on Periscope and prophesying. And it was part of his pr- prophecy about what was going on with the election and all this. And the team with the bird will be moved out of the way. Talking about the Toronto Blue Jays. Why, that, why God would care about a baseball game, I have no idea. But it gets on, and the team with the bird will be moved out of the way, and whoever moves the team with the bird out of the way will win the World Series. Well, whoever beat the Blue Jays went up against the Cubs and played them. And then the Cubs beat them. And the Cubs won the World Series. And I just kind of gave him a hard time on Twitter. I jumped on, and in all capital letters I wrote, you said the Cubs would lose the World Series. I just lost $40,000. Obviously, I don't bet or gamble. But he jumped on Periscope so quick after I wrote him that. And he was like, now listen, I love, we love the Shuttlesworth family. We appreciate it. But I never told nobody to bet no $40,000. He was just left and right. But let me tell you something. If it's a sure word of prophecy, it's going to come to pass. It's going to come to pass. There's far too many, thus saith the Lord's, every nut job with a business card in the lobby, giving you a word in the bathroom of the church. Be careful, because this word is higher than anything. Prophecy can be judged by the word of God. The third thing that raises his hand is his word. Listen to Isaiah 48, 13. It was my right hand. Not my right hand. It was my hand that laid the foundations of the earth. My right hand that spread out the heavens above. When I call out the stars, they all appear in order. It's God speaking through his prophet Isaiah. That's Isaiah 48, 13. It was my hand that laid the foundations of the earth. My right hand that spread out the heavens above. When I call out the stars, they all appear in order. So I'm going to show you something from the word of God maybe you've never seen. His word moves his hand. Because compare what I just read to you with the gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 3. All things were made through him. It's talking about the word made flesh. And without him was not anything made that was made. What do the two verses before that say? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he said, without the Word, there was nothing made that was made. Well, Isaiah just tells us what happened. It was my, it was my hand that laid the foundations, my right hand that spread out. So what are we understanding here? His Word moved his hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His word moved his hand. Glory to God. His word still moves his hand. Thank you, Jesus. His word still moves his hand. The centurion came to Jesus who had a servant sick with palsy in Matthew chapter 8. 
And instead of asking Jesus to come to his house, what did he say? Speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. And Jesus spoke the word, and the word traveled to where the servant was, and the mighty hand of God healed the servant on that day. The word of God moves the hand of God. The word of God moves the hand of God. No question. So obedience moves his hand. Prayer moves his hand. The word moves his hand. And then let me give you number four. The fourth thing is this. A seed moves his hand. A seed moves his hand. The entire kingdom of God is based on seed time and harvest. Everything. Everything. Everybody always thinks, when you say a seed, you know, seed is anything you release from your life. In fact, I want you to put that in the comments today. A seed is anything I release from my life. But just remember this. A seed always reproduces after its own kind. You can't plant apple seeds and expect orange trees. doesn't work that way. A seed reproduces after its own kind. That's why when we were kids, they told us, if you want friends, you got to be friendly. Why? Because friendliness is a seed that produces friendship. A seed is anything I release from my life. But you can't release one thing and expect another to come back. You can't come down to the altar and say, I'm sowing a $300 seed because I'm believing for my son to be saved. It doesn't work that way. You don't sow a financial seed to see household salvation. It doesn't work that way. I'm sowing a $1,000 seed to be healed of cancer. It doesn't work that way. You don't sow a financial seed expecting a physical miracle. A seed reproduces after its own kind. So if you're believing for financial increase, then you sow a financial seed. That's right, Nicholas. Whatsoever a man sows, Galatians 6, 9, that shall he also reap. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. That, what's that mean? That thing he sowed, that shall he also reap. If I need financial increase, I got to sow financial seeds. If I want to see people saved, I got to sow the gospel. The gospel is what saves men. If I want to see healing, I have to sow seeds of faith. I have to be obedient to the word and allow the elders of the church to lay their hands on me, anoint me with oil, and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. James chapter 5. You have to follow the seed of the harvest you want, but a seed moves God's hand. And here I am talking about a financial seed. Listen to Leviticus chapter 9, verses 22 through 24. Then Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. This is Leviticus 9, 22 through 24. Aaron lifted up his hands toward the people and blessed them. And he came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offering. And Moses and Aaron went into the tent of meeting. And when they came out, they blessed the people. And the glory 
of the Lord appeared to all the people, and the fire and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the pieces of fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. They presented the offering, they presented the seed, and God's power came and consumed it. And his spirit manifested, and the people were blessed, the Bible says. Moses and Aaron blessed the people. The blessing comes through moving God's hand by a seed. Anywhere you want to read through the Bible, anywhere, a seed moved the hand of God. A seed moved the hand of God. Notice when Noah got off the ark, you'd think if I've got to repopulate the whole earth, not with humans only, but with animals, I need every last animal on this ark to begin to repopulate the earth with animals. God said, no. First thing you need to do is sacrifice some of those animals as an offering. Oh, hallelujah. As an offering. And the Bible says, and let me clarify something. It's a seed of obedience. Oh, man, that's so big. Put that in the comments right now. A seed of obedience. Oh, man. See, because God's not required to receive every seed we sow. Only the seeds of obedience. Where's that in the Bible, Brother Ted? Go back to Cain and Abel. They both gave God an offering, but the Bible says God loved and accepted Abel's offering and he rejected Cain's offering. Do you know why he rejected Cain's offering? Because Cain gave God something that God didn't ask for. It wasn't obedience, but Abel gave him a seat of obedience. God's only required to receive a seat of obedience. Let me just say it this way. If you read in Malachi chapter 3, where everybody always goes to talk about tithing, but tithing aside, let's talk about offerings. If God's not required to receive every offering. You know what he said? You have robbed me. God's saying this, Malachi 3. He said, you have robbed me, even this whole nation. But you say, by the way, I'm in verse 8, Malachi 3, 8. But you say, how have we robbed you? What's his answer? In tithes and in offerings. In tithes and in offerings. Well, here's the question. We know how we can rob God of the tithe, 10%. It's clearly stated, it's his. But how can you rob God of an offering? How is that possible? I'll explain it to you. The way you rob God of an offering, what if God were to lead you to sow a $500 seed and then you decide in your heart, no, I'm gonna give a $100 seed. Do you know what just happened? You robbed God $400 because he's the one that told you what to give. 
but you decided to do something else. So it's not a seat of obedience. If God says to sow 500, the seat of obedience is 500. What if God told you to give $100 and you said, no, I'm going to give 20? That's a disobedient seed. So therefore, it's not a seed of faith. And God's not pleased with it. He rejects it. And he's not required to receive it. That's how you rob God on an offering. Is that you don't do what he said. Now, God will never catch this because the question's going to come up. God will never penalize you for operating in greater faith. That just should be said right off the bat. God will never penalize you for operating greater faith. So what do do I mean by that? What if God asked you to give 50 as your seed of obedience, and you say, you know what? I love him so much, I'm going to give 100. God's not going to penalize you for by faith stepping out and doing more. He won't penalize you for that. Because remember this, you've already done what he's asked. If he told you to give $50 seed and you did it plus another 50, you already completed what he asked, then you stepped out in faith and even did more. Meaning, you've pleased him with your faith. Amen. You know why I can teach this stuff and not have to worry about it? It's because I don't have to get on these broadcasts and beg people for money. When you know it's a manipulation is when people get on and take the whole broadcast to teach on this. And then at the end, I, I need you, we need you to sow right now. We need, you to st- we need you to stand up and sow. I'm telling you, we're going through something right now. We need to come out the other side. And if you, I need, I need 31 people right now to sow $1,000. I need you to step up. I don't have to do that. I don't have to do that at all. There's no pressure in this ministry. There's no debt in this ministry. And so I can teach these things without fear of pressure or even caring what people think about it because it doesn't bother me a bit. Whether you give or don't give, we're blessed. See, because people are not our source, God's our source. See, and so I can teach you very plainly that God expects us to obey his voice. A seed moves his hand. What did the prophet say to the woman in the Old Testament, 1 Kings 17? She was ready to make her last meal, eat it with her son, and then they'd both die. That's her plan. Famine in the land. He said, what do you have? She said, I just have a little bit of oil, a little bit of uh, cake left or meal, if you will. And uh, we're going to make one last meal. Me and my son will eat it, and then we'll die. What a great plan. And the prophet Elijah said, yeah, before you do that, make me a little cake first and bring me some water. (laughs) That takes faith. I only have enough for me and my son to eat one last meal, then we're going to die. What's he trying to show her? What does he ask her? What do you have in your house? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go with me to 1 Kings 17, then I'm going to pray for you. 1 Kings 17 and um, verse 8. Then the Lord came to Elijah, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. So she doesn't have an excuse to say, well, I didn't know you were coming and I don't have enough. No, the Lord already spoke to the widow and commanded her, feed the prophet. So he arose and went to Zarephath 
And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water and a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, I, I don't have anything except a handful of flour. He said, don't fear. Go and do as you've said, but first make me a little cake and bring it to me. And then make something for yourself and your son. Notice here the challenge. Before you consume it on yourself, put God first and put something out for him. Hallelujah. You know, you know it's interesting. If you go to 2 Kings 4, look at Elisha's commands of the widow that was her sons were getting ready to be sold into slavery. He says to her, what do you have in the house? There's something in my house. Write this and catch this. Put this in the comments. Last thing I'll ask you to write from the message today. I have something in my house that will move God's hand. Hallelujah. Put that in the comments right now. I have something in my house that will move God's hand. No question. Sorry if I just hit the mic and busted your ear with a headphone in. <laughs> I have something in my house that will move God's hand. There's no question you do. Paul taught it this way. He gives seed to the sower, 2 Corinthians 9, and bread to the eater. He gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. I have something in my house right now that will move God's hand upon my life. Do you know why some Christians are always struggling? Is because they take the thing that God gave them that was supposed to be seed and they consume it upon themselves. They eat their seed. The seed's not for eating and the bread's not for sowing. Seed to the sower, bread to the eater. Don't eat your seed. The thing God put in your hand to release into his kingdom, be a sower of seed, and he gave you the bread to eat until your harvest comes back. Hallelujah. There's something in your house right now that will move God's hand upon your life. No question about it. No question about it. And I'm going to challenge you at the end of this broadcast to sow a seed because I feel that today. I normally wait to talk about this at the end and just encourage people to partner with us. But I'm telling you, I feel that today, that there is something in your house. And God's speaking to people right now. He's speaking to you right now. As we've been teaching on this, the Lord is dealing with your heart to stand in faith. And God's put an, an even amount in your spirit. He gives seed to the sower. There's something in your house that will move God's hand in your life. Amen. And right now, as the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and he is, I want you to obey his voice. See, he's doing this for a reason. This is not arbitrary. And you know that we don't do this every day on the broadcast like this. I don't teach on sowing all the time. But something's happening now where the Lord's speaking to you. I'm not speaking to you. I'm not telling you what to give. I'm not telling you what to sow. I'm not the Holy Spirit. The Lord's speaking to you right now. And he's telling you what to do. Because here's the thing. God has a plan in the final three months of this year to show us violent increase in our families and lives, expedited favor. Only thing that's going to move his hand in that direction is our obedience, our prayer, the word that we declare, 
and the seeds that we sow, four actions that move his hand to favor. And right now, right now he's speaking to you. Here's what I want you to do. You'll see a graphic on your screen of how you can sow that seed that the Lord's speaking you to sow. You can go to miracleword.com. You can sow it on your phone, tablet, laptop, whatever. You can partner with us on a monthly basis. If you're in the United States and you use Cash App, you can use Cash App and find us at MWGive. Same with Venmo. You can use PayPal. But if you're in the comments on Facebook or Twitter, Periscope, you can use the term hashtag donate and sow right in the comments section. But however you do it, even if you're mailing a check, thank you, Michelle. However you do it, Michelle, you have to write hashtag and then the word donate and then 75 or else it won't read. Hashtag donate and then the number 75 with it. Whatever the Lord's telling you to do, I'm encouraging you right now to take that step of faith and move his hand by the seed that you're about to sow. I'm telling you, I've seen all kinds of bad reports from people that are people of faith that it's just been attack after attack in their life. That will not be our story in Jesus' name. I said that will not be our story in Jesus' name. We will have victory day after day after day. Thank you, Janice. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Jennifer. Do what the Lord's asking you to do. Today's the day. And by faith, step out. There's something in my house that will move the hand of God toward my life. Thank you, Jennifer. Something in my house. And some of you, the Lord's speaking to you for the first time ever to sow largely into the kingdom of God. There's people watching that maybe you've never sowed a $1,000 seed in your whole life, and the Lord's right now speaking to you to do it. And you're like, man, that's a big step of faith. That's a big step of faith. Well, if the Lord's telling you to do it, it's because he's got a blessing on the other side. Do what God's telling you to do. I'm not telling you. The Lord's telling you. And if you'll obey him, something in your house. Deborah, if you want to sow, you can go to miracleword.com. And right on the website, you click the Give button, and you can sow right there. There's something in your house, something in your house, that if you'll release it by faith, God will move his hand of favor upon your life. Obedience moves his hand. Prayer moves his hand. And we're going to pray in a minute. His word moves his hand. I've been preaching the word to you for an hour and 21 minutes. And finally, a seed moves his hand. I don't want to see your family struggle. I want to see you blessed. I want to see you prosperous. I want to see you walking in abundance. Hallelujah. And I believe God will do it. God will do it. Because his word is always true. It's always true. And so I want you to take that step of faith right now. For those of you that need to pray, let's pray and ask the Lord to speak. You say, I'm still waiting to hear his voice. Let's pray now. Not only am I going to pray that God gives you an instruction from heaven, but I'm going to pray that the favor of God, as you take these steps, I'm going to pray that the favor of God comes upon you and your family today. And from this day forward, 
The Spirit of the Lord comes mightily upon you, just like it did on David in 1 Samuel 16, 13, as he was anointed by the prophet Samuel. Father, we thank you now for the wonderful anointing that you've made available to us. Thank you for making us part of the family of God. I ask you to speak to every man and woman watching the broadcast today. I ask you in Jesus' name to give them an instruction from your spirit about what they're to do as they sow this seed, something you've given us in our house, seed to the sower. Give us that instruction. Let us step out by faith and sow that seed. And as we do, we thank you that your hand of favor and blessing is coming upon our lives like never before. Final quarter of this year, we declare it. It'll be greater than we've ever seen. Violent increase, expedited favor. Father, from this day forward, I pray that we would see a never-ending victory. Lord, for those that have struggled, for those that have battled and it's been up and down, mountains and valleys, we've gone, gone from crisis to blessing to crisis to blessing. We've depended on miracles just to make it. Lord, let that change today. I pray, Lord, that you would, every enemy that's sent against their life to destroy them, blow your breath from heaven. Blow it out of their way today in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, Lord. Healing is coming. Peace is coming. Joy is coming. Increase is coming. Household salvation is coming. We're going to go from victory unto victory, faith unto faith, favor unto favor, grace unto grace. In Jesus' wonderful name, we thank you, Lord. We thank you. We give you glory and we give you praise. In the wonderful name of Jesus, if you believe it, shout amen. Thank you, Doreen, for sowing a seed. Let me encourage you because one of the things we're believing God to do is to attach faithful people to this ministry as we're stepping out to touch the world with the gospel of Christ that would stand with us at a minimum of $85 a month. That's $1,000 a year or more, whatever the Lord leads you to do. Even if you say, well, I can't quite do that yet. Do what you can do. Do what the Lord speaks to you to do. But take the step of faith to partner on a monthly basis. Step out and say, every month I'm going to do something to stand with Ted and Carolyn and Miracle Word Ministries. How do you do it? You go to miracleword.com and you click that Give tab. You can even create an account where you can adjust the frequency of your giving, the amount of your giving, but set up a monthly seed of partnership. Trust God for whatever you can trust him for and let's touch the world together. Let's preach the gospel together. Let's see our generation impacted together as the family of God. Maybe you're saying, hey, right now, Brother Ted, I can only do $10 a month. What can you do? Step out and do it. Watch God move. Here's what, of course, you know this, what I want to do for people that are standing with me and Carolyn and Miracle Word in the month of September. Those that are sowing $85 or more, as we're praying for, we want to send you this book by Bishop Rick Thomas, Speak to the Void. Powerful book on the power of your confession and declaration to bring chaos back to order by the power of God. If you'd like to receive this book, it's a hardcover. He even signed it for all of our partners this month. It was very kind. You can go to miracleword.com forward slash offer and fill out the form. Let us know where to mail that book. We're going to get it out to you ASAP as well. For those of you that stepped out in faith today and sowed largely, $1,000 or more, we're going to add on to that as our gift to you the hardcover limited edition of my new book, Further Faster, and then also a genuine leather edition of the Life Application 
study Bible in the New Living, one of my favorite study tools now. I've been going through the minor prophets in the last couple of weeks and just not only reading the minor prophets, but then going through the commentary and the timelines and the, uh, all the parallels. It's been so eye-opening, so eye-opening to see uh, the depth you get with a study Bible like that. It's our gift to you. We just do it to say thank you. It's not why you're giving. It's just we want to say thank you for standing with us, and that's our gift to you. And I want to say a big thank you to all of our partners, everybody that's standing with this ministry. You don't know how much we appreciate you and how much we love you. And of course, we pray for you on a weekly basis, asking God to bless your families and your children. We appreciate your dedication and your faithfulness to stand with Miracle Word Ministries. Carolyn and I love you very much. The revival here has been phenomenal. And next week starts Evansville, Indiana on Sunday through Friday. The week after that, Botkins, Ohio. The week after that, Fitchburg, Massachusetts. We would love to see you in person. We'd love to have you in revival with us. Take a trip. Be a part of these meetings. Can I say something that's really exciting? Uh, Coming up in just a few weeks, the brand new Miracle Word Magazine Fall Edition is being released And if you're not already on the list to receive this magazine for free, I want you to sign up. All you have to do is go to miracleword.com. At the very top of the homepage, you will see that magazine, a picture of it. Click the button. It'll take you to a form to sign up so that we know where to send your magazine. If you're overseas, we're going to email you a digital copy of our Miracle Word magazine and you'll get it instantly in your email when it, when it comes out, when it's released and we have it ready. And we want you to get it. It'll build your faith. We've got some amazing testimonies in this magazine edition, the best we've ever released, the biggest things that have ever happened for our ministry. And we want to build your faith. We want to teach you the word. We want to keep you updated with all that's happening at Miracle Word. So sign up. Listen, if you've already signed up, don't do it again, but only if you haven't. MiracleWord.com. You'll see it right there on the homepage, the picture of the summer edition. Click it, sign up. Don't forget, we've got great stuff for your kids at MiracleWordKids.com, the September Bible reading mission on prayer, talking to your heavenly father. We've got new vlogs coming out from the kids every single week on YouTube. Everything's at MiracleWordKids.com, and uh, there's so much to be involved with. I want to hear from you. I want you to text me. If you don't, have my number logged in your phone. If you've not texted me yet, go to our website, miracleword.com forward slash text, forward slash text. Please fill out the form and your number will go directly into my phone book on my phone and then we can stay connected via text message. You can text me and I can respond. I can get your your prayer request, keep you updated with what's going on. I'm not going to blow up your phone every day. I just want us to be able to stay connected. MiracleWord.com forward slash text and let's stay connected via text message. I love you guys. Thanks for hanging with me today. I'll be back again with you tomorrow morning, 1030 a.m., I love you. That's on the East Coast. I love you guys so much. Have a great and a powerful day, and I'll talk to you very soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.